You're listening to the official podcast of Asbury University, produced by students with God-honoring conversations that inform, edify, and encourage. This is Asbury. We explore culture and current topics through a Christian worldview, promoting a well-balanced life, and we empower our community to belong, become, and be set apart. I'm your host, Abby Lobb. Welcome to This is Asbury. Welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm excited about this guest because Professor Rob Lim is new to Asbury, but he has just jumped right in headfirst <laughs> into our community. So welcome to the podcast. Rob teaches in our Dayton School of Business, Professor of Business. You kind of cover the gamut with our students. But before we get into what you do here at Asbury in the professional world, you were just all over this campus in February serving and I mean you were doing everything from praying with students to carrying food to whatever needed to be done during the outpouring I just loved your servant mentality and since then you given that you're from Australia you have traveled all around the world including to Australia to talk to people about what happened here during the outpouring do you want to share a little bit about that before we get into today's episode yeah absolutely and uh, just great to be here Abby Walmart isn't my original home. I couldn't tell. <laughs> As you can tell from the <laughs> accent, I actually hail from the true south, which is Australia, and was born and bred in Sydney. I often tell my students I grew up where Nemo was found, but <laughs> that's home for me. And I try to go back every year in terms of context as to why. I used to be a banker for about 16, 17 years around the globe, and Melbourne, Australia was really my home base. Mm-hmm. And I still do do many things there, some nonprofits that are run and also as a pastor in that context. And all of that is girded, obviously, under the posture of servanthood, especially whether I'm a professor at Asbury University as a person that serves in the church or, as you noted earlier, in the outpouring. So, and that posture of servanthood, look, I think there's no better time to demonstrate that servanthood right now than post what God did in February and simply being an instrument to testify to what has happened. And uh, I can tell everyone that's listening right now that Hughes Auditorium is not simply a building in Walmart, but the walls of Hughes Auditorium and what the Lord has done has extended to literally the ends of the earth where I am. I love that. I love hearing your stories about those, those trips and the conversations you've had with people because those of us who have been in Wilmore this summer, it's great to hear those stories shared about what God's been doing still around the world. And I'm so glad that our listeners can hear that as well. What have some of those conversations been like that you've had this summer with people? Yeah, there's been just a renewed sense of hope. I think people, it's so easy for us as believers, I'm speaking for myself as well, to fall into a rhythm of belief that's based on religion. But when you see and encounter the Lord in such a magnificent way, it's hard not to just be renewed entirely about the words we recite all the time in the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It it comes to life in a moment like this, where we've been so humbly able to experience it. Yeah, and again, more so recognising that it's less about us when you go abroad and see that people from all around the world are being stirred in the same way and um, being encouraged by the testimonies they're hearing. So it's been such a joy to be part of this, as all of us have been saying. Yeah, and you've travelled with some students this summer as well to, I mean, 
all literally all around the world. <laughs> where can you just talk quickly about you know some of the places where, where did you go this summer? What was that like? One key moment that I went to was a conference called Arise Asia, oh, wow. which was based in Bangkok, Thailand. Wow. And one of our student ambassadors here actually had the absolute wonderful opportunity to testify before two thousand youth and young adult of Asia. Wow. This is a pretty important event because there's this big missional conference called Lasan that occurs every few years and this is related to that in some way. So to have one of our students being able to testify from Gen Z to Gen Z yeah. and not only that, seeing hearts stirred in the same way that we've seen in North America but in the Asian context, arguably the most populated part yeah, of the world, absolutely. seeing them be stirred and seeing an equal measure of fervency and joy is, is joyful. You can't really put any other word to it and you have hope for the next generation. That's so good to hear. It's so encouraging because, you know, throughout the outpouring, I loved how Asbury held this so loosely and recognized, like, <laughs> this is God's doing and he's still doing it. So I love to be reminded from these stories that he is absolutely still at work among this generation, By literally the way, all around the world. I might even just note one more thing, Abby. You noted the word stewarded, mm -hmm. and that's been one of the most notable things people have recognized around the world, even though they haven't been here. And I think the stewardship doesn't end. The stewardship continues and... Really, we're not just stewarding what happened in February, we're stewarding what Christ told us all those years ago, which we continue to carry on from generation to generation. That's a great place to jump into the rest of our conversation, stewardship. There's many things we're called to steward as believers. One of those are our finances. And so this is an area where you have a lot of experience in your previous career before Asbury and a lot of those things you're still doing, talking about financial health and stewardship. You've had many roles in the last 16 years from you know, financial strategy to product development and marketing and sales and then digital corporate leadership and, and pastoral care. And I mean, the kind of the list goes on, but that common thread is financial health. Yes. And so you have a lot of experience there. And this is really crucial to Christians as we look at our lives as a whole, how we're utilizing what God has given us yes, exactly. <laughs> and, and what we're doing with it. So I really want to kind of key in on Gen Z, because like you said, the way God has worked in Gen Z has just been incredible. And Financial health is a huge part of their lives, and they're walking into kind of a challenging global economy at the yes, moment. Yes, <laughs> so yes. let's start there. How someone even start a journey to financial health, whether it's a student or whether it's an adult who's like, okay, I need to press reset. It's a great place to start. Just even in the context of that and tying it in also with what you mentioned around the outpouring, I think it's important to recognize God moves in extraordinary ways and we receive grace through that, but also through the ordinary things that we mm -hmm. do, including especially managing of our finances or yeah. really not our finances, the Lord's. Exactly. We saw a couple of really cool examples of that during the outpouring too. It was like, I was very recognized, okay, there's tens of thousands of people here. It costs money yes, <laughs> yes. to do these things. And it was really cool to see just how faithful people were in providing for the needs that we had. And this is yes. just a crude example, but just the porta potties. You know, like yeah. <laughs> somebody paid for yeah. our porta potties. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Right? So it's those little things. We saw continual testimonies yes. that relate back to this whole concept of financial stewardship, didn't yes. we? But where do we start? And I think the most important thing in my mind is maybe to reframe the question to ask why. So do we as Christians need to talk about money? It's very easy, especially in today's world, to think that, no, everything that we do in relation to faith is about salvation in our right. mind and there's no expression or manifestation out mm -hmm. to the world. But in fact, one thing that I know I was surprised about when I studied it was 
Look, there were over 2,000 verses in the Bible that mentioned the concept of money and some of them come in the form of warning. So many of us are familiar with those verses around avoiding the love for money that we read in places such as 1 Timothy or we read good things or things we should do such as to be generous, to be ready to give, to plan, to save as we read in Proverbs 21, to be faithful stewards of what the Lord has entrusted to us in 1 Corinthians. But all of those things point to the warnings against money and what it can be from a fleshly perspective, but also what we need to do with it in an appropriate way for the kingdom. So I think the best way and the best place to start in relation to financials is what is our drive? And as a Christian, my personal belief system is very much influenced by my faith in this way. But at the same time, I need to ensure that listeners recognize that it's not just a faith-filled endeavor that we contemplate on our mind and we just pray for finances, but there are some practical aspects that we need to get engaged with as well. And it might sound like things that the rest of the world does, but in fact, I think all of us need to be able to role model and demonstrate that in some regard. So to your question, well, where's a good place to start? You noted the term financial health, and I like the term health because it fosters a sense of, you know, going to see the doctor, mm-hmm. but you only go see the doctor when you are aware of your own condition. <laughs> yeah. So I think the first thing I would say, the first step would be to know your financial condition and to have the humility, again, a, a theme that came out a lot during the outpouring, having the humility to view your financial condition in a way that is absolutely forthright and transparent and also fully accountable to the Lord. So that's probably the best place to start in my mind. Absolutely. It's a condition of the heart. The Bible Mm. talks about many things that relate to finances, whether it's greed or generosity. So yeah, checking where you are, that's a great place to start. And then let's get practical. So say it's a student who's like, okay, I'm getting ready to graduate. I just don't even know where to start. Maybe I'm going to have student loans. Maybe I'm going to need to get a new apartment or, you know, understand how to tithe or whatever it might be. What are some financial practices that can build awareness and knowledge of your financial health or even just what you can afford and not afford. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's such an important topic. And just to even, again, reinforce how important that topic is in the world today, there was a recent survey done on financial literacy in North America, and the results were pretty worrying, to be honest, because nearly half of the population, 40% odd, identified themselves as being financially illiterate. And then you think about the context of the global economy today, and without you having to be a banker or an economist, it goes without saying that people are aware something is wrong today financially, yeah. that there are huge debt levels. If you look at even household spending in North America, I think debt's up at $17 trillion, so it just continues to climb. Yeah, so people can just feel it when they go to the grocery store. Yeah. Yeah. It's as simple as that. It's simple yeah. as that. So you have all these symptoms, going back to that health piece again, of people continuing to accumulate debt, signs of people not being aware of financials, and that's dovetailing in with financial illiteracy being very high. So just to reinforce everything that, was, that you're noting. But if I had to give some really concrete, practical steps, and I love giving five Cs, seven Cs or whatever, so I've made my own set. I'll call them the seven Cs. And the first thing in my mind and this is not just limited to students, this is something I continue to echo back to myself, is to have a spirit of contentment. And let me reinforce what contentment is not. Contentment is not comparison. I think that is such a fundamental thing, not even for financials only, but we're in this age where we continually want to compare ourselves to other and 
view ourselves therefore as lesser and therefore we need to attain to whatever we're seeing in society. Look, Philippians 4 continually reminds us about contentment, but I think that is something that has gone astray. We often tie the word in contentment with very faith ethereal aspects of life rather than physical tangible aspects such as our financials another c that i think follows soon after that is control as opposed to being cavalier we all know as financial individuals but then even as believers that control self-control is actually through the spirit spirit, that's right i just want everyone to imagine themselves when they're walking down the mall or wherever (laughs) but it's so easy to be indulged by commercial forces that drive us to spend beyond our ability and yeah. to be cavalier Well, and that with- comes out in so many ways now. People, I'm not trying to say self-care is bad, but people really like to talk about self-care right now. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed that sort of creeps into like, oh, well, therefore I should get this for myself. It's just I'm practicing self-care. It's like, well, yeah. That's one area where I see that come out a lot. And really yes. that's ultimately a lack of self-control. Even just building on that, I think we need to recognize that so many things that weren't commoditized in the past mm-hmm. are commoditized now. So yes. sometimes we think we actually need to purchase something right. to be happy. Happiness is commoditized and really we should ask ourselves, is it really a commodity we need to buy? So that control element I think is very important and think about, just be reminded about that I do it myself when I go around and shop. Just ask yourself the question again, do you really need it? As opposed to being cavalier with spending. And you're a parent so that's extra difficult because if, <laughs> like, if your kids are like mine, oh I want this, I want this. Yeah, you have to be extra aware of that once you have children. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Third C here is that I've got in my mind is capacity. And again, that's opposed to coveting things. When I talk about capacity here, it's in relation to knowing how much we can spend on things. So it's a little bit different to the control point I talked about earlier in the moment when we want to spend things. But I talk about capacity in the sense of, let's give an example, debt, for instance, Mm -hmm. loans. It's very easy to obtain loans now. As a person that formerly ran a very large banking division in relation to lending, you could borrow, what, 90% of the home value or when it comes down to credit cards, you can try to max out your credit card. You have the legal financial capacity to do that, but is that actually something that you need? And rooting it back to what we talked about earlier, I think sometimes we justify what we need based on the desire of covetness. So I would just remind ourselves all that having the capacity to do something is not necessarily right. Rather, we should bind the capacity that we have based on God's word and uh, being content. Getting a little bit more financial here, another C that I found very important is the whole concept of capital. We never hear the word capital when it comes down to faith, but I think it's important to recognize that there are many examples where things have been deposited upon people and it's very important to steward that on behalf of the Lord and not to see it go to waste. So when I talk about capital, it's around ensuring that we build capital based on what the Lord has given us first. Mm -hmm. The parable of the talents is a great one, right? Mm -hmm. People that have been given various levels of capital, they are able to build it, not again for their own self-gratification, but because it actually glorifies the Lord. Just tying it back there to the whole comparison piece I talked about earlier as well, contentment. 
uh, noticed that in the parable of talents, the people that had varying degrees of talents, it wasn't really a competition. They had Some had less, some had more. But at the end of the day, it was the commendation that they received on growing it. But growing capital in itself is important because I think it does demonstrate that we are being stewards, that we're not being apathetic and lethargic with what the Lord has given us. Another one of my finance students know that I vouch for this regularly is, and I would even say this for any student on campus, irregardless if they're in the business school, is to be aware of conditions. Market conditions. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to to compartmentalise what we need to know based on our degree type. If I studied a degree apart from business, we could come to the disposition that therefore I don't need to know about some of the financial indicators. Now, we don't need to be experts in it, but I think it's very important to recognise that many of these things actually impact our daily life. So one of the heated topics right now is the whole concept of inflation. Most people recognise that inflation has been growing and that basically means inflation, for those that are listening that aren't aware, that the cost of goods, of daily goods, has been increasing. So the power of your money is less because you're having to dish out more for a standard basket of goods. If we go in ill-informed or apathetic around our market conditions, it's very hard for us to be able to manage in that environment. Again, going to the health thing again. If it's a hot day and you know you want to exercise that day, will you go for a 10-mile run? You need to consider those conditions. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. Take into account the conditions. Can you be wise? Can you be informed about how you act? And I honestly believe that God gives us these faculties to identify these things. And there's so many resources nowadays to at least not become an expert but get a snapshot view on how things are moving. The other C that I think is especially important, and this ties in very much so as belief, Believers is the sea of being charitable. Much of what we attain is not simply for ourselves, but it's to therefore steward on behalf of the Lord. John Wesley, uh, he wrote a sermon, in fact, called The Use of Money. And he has this marvelous quote in there where he wrote, Am I acting therein not as a proprietor, but as a steward of my Lord's goods? And I think we should carry that concept even to our own lives. It's so easy to think that we earned the money, that we are the ones saving it, that we are the ones that generate this great investment. But in fact, if we are reminded that we are not proprietors, but we are stewards, as what John Wesley noted, it will drive us, therefore, to have eyes to see and to manifest that command to love others. And finances aren't the be-all and end-all of how we serve others, but it is a very important way that we can minister to people and to each other. So how do we continually have a lens that is charitable and is outward-facing rather than drawing everything for our own self idolization? And the final C has to be Christ. At the end of the day, the driver for all of this is not so we can vouch and be more holy than the other, so we can accrue more assets and demonstrate our financial prowess and think that we're superior or that we can give more than others. But the ultimate reason we do all of this is because our foundation, our cornerstone is based on Christ. So again, those seven C's, they've been a guide for me. Contentment, control, self-control, capacity, capital, conditions, charitable, and Christ. Those are great tips. And jumping off of there, do you think, Rob, that health and stewardship are any different for those of faith? It's a yes and no. I think there are many things that we can learn from just the faculties of finance generally, whether they're people that are believers and non-believers, and ultimately there's a natural grace there, isn't there? Some people recognize it's important not to waste. People recognize there's a need to continually grow. But I think we always need to be therefore guarded that as believers, we need to make sure that that's not driven 
based on anything for ourselves, that our ultimate desire to do all these things is, you know, Colossians 3.23, and everything we do, we do it as if we're doing it for the glory of the Lord and not for human masters. If you look at the way people collect things or, or whatnot, doing it for the glory of God is just a completely different lens so it's just i love how you know we talk about being set apart here at asbury that is one very real way that our students are set apart their approach to their finances and their you know their assets that they grew or whatever it could be correct Mm -hmm. but again just to illustrate that point i don't think we need to limit ourselves to simply viewing financial advice that is explicitly on bible.org website (laughs) or wherever there are amazing financial tips that we can learn generally out there in the market And so we shouldn't close our eyes to them. But again, we need to be wise as a serpent and recognize that they are good things. But again, how do we take what we have seen and learn from it? And also, how can we orientate it towards something that is specifically for the glorification of God? I don't say don't read Bloomberg or the Wall Street (laughs) Journal. I think there's some good things in there. But then always when we read them, take it in and also look at it with the lens of yeah, um, the word. critical thinking, Amen. you know. Yeah, we read the Wall Street Journal every day. So, mm. <laughs> you know, it's, it's great. It's, it's great to be informed. Yes. Like you said that's, you know, one of the C's. So what's, for you personally, you've had a really diverse background. You know, you've had pastoral ministry that you've done, but you've done it alongside your work in the financial mm. sector. So what's an instance that you could point to where faith played a major role in your finances, whether that was personally or a business that you were running? I think the best way to illustrate that is even through failure, just to be open. Financially, uh, during my career in banking, in the eyes of the world, it would have been viewed as successful. But without those undergirdings that I highlighted earlier, and uh, especially the foundation of all that financial credibility being undergirded by Christ, it can lead down a dark path. I like to often capture this by the statement Superman syndrome. I think sometimes when the accolades of the world and things that we would ordinarily want to be filled by Christ and we try to substitute it for something else, we can get this sense that that thinking that we can do all things out of our own strength, especially when it comes down to finances. And one of the great temptations, I think, for graduates or even successful marketplace folk is that when those successes come financially, that based on the metric of financials, we can often receive accolades from the world and therefore view our identity entirely on that. I've gone down a path like that and only through a very gentle reminder from the Lord was I able to recognise that all of those things are like dust in the wind. And it does tie back, and I'm not trying to intentionally do this, but tie back to the outpouring in some way. I often like to remind myself and also friends that have entrusted me to talk to them about things like this, that we should always be ready to confess and repent on the way that we unfortunately mismanage the funds of the Lord. If we ever get into a mindset where we think we are perfect in the way we manage these financials, then I think that's already a red flag for us. Right. (laughs) Yeah, we're constantly growing for sure. So in closing, let's talk again briefly to our college-aged listeners or maybe recent graduates. If you could give them one very digestible tip on financial health, what would it be? I'll go straight back to that first word I gave. Know your condition. If we're sick and we see all the conditions and we aren't willing to do anything about it, then the conditions don't mean anything. But half the reason we go to a doctor is we are willing to look at our financial conditions transparently and that takes time and effort Mm -hmm. and then therefore entrust that to the Lord. So I would say as the first step, 
to all college students and those that are graduating, be very frank about your financial condition. You're living in a time now where there's resources everywhere. There's so many practical steps I can give around saving. Fundamental thing I think I'd like to highlight to people is have the boldness and the courage to assess your financial condition and be willing to therefore ask for help in relation to that. Even if you're business students and you might think you're pretty savvy on it, I think it's always good to have a good hard look at your financial condition and to even bestow that to the Lord. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of This is Asbury. To learn more about Asbury University, visit asbury.edu. 